This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Yeah, that concerns me. I guess they just need to let us know what's going on. <laughs> that would be nice. You know what I mean? And so that we can, you know, move through our neighborhood the way that we feel is safe. Yeah, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. You know, to know when people who kill people are walking around, you know. That is a big question being asked tonight. Uh, you know, how is it that a man who, you know, killed one, tried to kill a couple of others, how on earth did he manage not just to walk away from the hospital that he has to be at? How did he manage to get on an international flight and get out of the country without anyone noticing? Not the hospital, not the cops. Not even border services. How did no one notice? This is a guy considered violent, dangerous. This is a guy who's delusional. He needs medication. And for two weeks, we've been told absolutely nothing. We'll certainly know now why. Because these guys have all been trying to figure out who to blame it on. And I guess the cops, hospital, no one felt that the public at large has a right to know who's walking amongst us. And so, you know, begs the question, like, do the rights of those who kill or try to kill, does it trump the public safety at large? Because we just were talking last night about that knife-wielding terror suspect who attacked and tried to kill three Toronto soldiers back in 2016. Well, now he's going to go off to Mohawk College for some classes, you know? He's going to live at the psychiatric unit right across the street on the Hamilton Mountain, Walk on over and go to his uh, classes at Mohawk College. Hope the students don't mind there because his privacy will be protected. And now they've got to worry, like, who is this guy? You know, a lot of questions, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are starting to wonder, are the inmates running the show? Let's ask. Dave Perry, of course, is our global news radio uh, crime expert. Hello there, sir. I'm good. How are you, Alex? Well, you know, when I uh, chatted with you earlier and said, can you come on to talk about this story? I was My head was already spinning. But then to see, you know, Catherine McDonald's break news that, oh, yeah, the guy left the country two weeks ago. How the hell does this happen, Dave? Yeah, that's a good question. That's quite shocking. Um, you know, there are many things that play here, Alex, that, that you might understand this as well as I do. But once somebody is out of the hands of the police, a lot of people don't know this. They they go into various systems. So they go into corrections, for example, once they're arrested and charged. Uh, once they're convicted, they go to whatever level that they're deemed to go to. And then on a mental health issue, they go to a facility deemed correct for, for that particular reason. And in this case, this guy was found non-criminally responsible for a very serious offense. So he, he almost falls off the radar of the police. And I'm not trying to say that the the, the, the police didn't have some role in this, but they literally fall off the radar of the police and they're, uh, they become the custodians of the mental health system. And <clears throat> whatever went wrong here, that A, he escaped, and B, nobody was notified, including the public. And the fact that he was then able to board a plane and go to another country is, is quite alarming to me. Yeah, well, slightly. I mean, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked here, but let's start with, okay, so he would have been under the care of the Ontario Review Board, but he's in the custody of of, of KMH or wherever the mental facility, facility he's staying at. 
That's right. They, you know, he walks out. I mean, the cops would have been notified. So for two weeks, they knew they knew that he was already on a plane. We're not being told where he's gone. They're not saying anything. But to be left in the dark like that and to have no one say anything looks like nothing short of a cover up. It it does look like a cover up, but I I don't know. Is it really a cover up, or is somebody just hanging on too too heavily to you know some of our privacy legislation, which is a very frustrating point for me. Um, I think you give up your your right to privacy when you become uh, the kind of person that we have here, and, and mental health or not, when you become a, d- a danger to the public and you escape, there shouldn't even be a hesitation. There should be alarms going off. People should be notified and. And that's when the police are actively notified as well and on a full full search for this individual. But I don't know. If I, I'm not hearing Alex. Is he, do, you, do you know, did he escape before uh, the police even found out or, or before the mental health facility found out? Well, was he out of the country? It, it sounds like, well, he was last seen July 3rd when he, he left the facility. And as we understand now, through Kath McDonald doing the reporting, he boarded a flight internationally that day, which would have taken some planning. So either someone helped him, someone got him a passport, someone got him some money. He didn't do this alone. But certainly a lot of people will have to answer who didn't see him go out, who did the bed check, and then when the cops would have been called, did they call border services? Was border services notified? How did he, how did, how did he get through security at, at a major airport? There's so many questions. And, and again then, Dave, what happens now? Are we going to go search for this guy and bring him back? I'd rather just leave him wherever the hell he is. Like, don't bring him back. He's, why would we bring this problem back? Yeah, I would rather do that, too. And I don't even know what, under what authority um, the Canadians could bring him back. That's well, because is a Canadian, is a Canadian, is a Canadian after all. But again, this guy's—he wasn't convicted. He was found not criminally responsible. That does not does not alter the fact that he killed somebody, and he's a violent and delusional and very sick person who's a threat to public safety. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, what happens? And I've had a few of these cases, and I can tell you quickly without going into the the details. I mean. I had perhaps three homicides where <clears throat> immediately upon meeting the person that, that had killed somebody, mm-hmm. I knew right away that we were facing a situation where somebody was you know, suffering from a severe mental health issue and, and they were never going to be found criminally responsible. It was it was that obvious. So, you know, in one particular case, uh, a woman called me, I'm going to say six to eight months after she was arrested, found criminally not responsible, put in a mental health facility in Whitby, and she called me from that facility asking for her passport because we had seized her passport. And uh, we decided we would check in with the facility, and we called the, the psychiatrist that was taking care of this person, and he said, yeah, she'll be released very soon. Uh, we've dealt with her issue and uh, and her demons, and she's deemed to be not, uh, not a threat any longer, and, and she was released very soon after. She didn't do a year in a mental health facility. And she was released, and I was forced to give her a passport. And it's my understanding that she has traveled back and forth from Canada to her home country on a regular basis since. So that's it's a, that's just an unfortunate part of the reality, too. Well, well, it is. I mean, look, I think Canadians, by and large, are pretty compassionate. And we've had to swallow, you know, not criminally responsible. And we're starting to see more and more cases like this. You had the Vincent Lee case. You know, we had the Pathway Stabber, the Rohini Bashir case. You know, she'll be out and walking around soon. She killed somebody in a shopper's drug mart uh, because of a, a psychotic episode. You've got the Richard Kashkar who killed a cop. You've got all these cases of not criminally responsible. And then we find out we've got this guy in Hamilton 
who is considered very dangerous, just like this guy in Toronto. Violent, dangerous. The the review board said he's a high risk to reoffend, and yet here he is off to Mohawk College to take some day classes, which I'm sure we're also paying for. I think at some point, Dave, Canadians by and large say it's one thing for us to be compassionate and understanding. It's another when the rights of these people are being put above our safety and it's making a mockery of the system. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of public safety first and worrying about some of these other issues later. But uh, it, it is it is quite shocking that uh, they can be out amongst us. And, you know, like a lot of things, the system is broke. There's, there's not the resources to do what they're trying to do and to do it safely. I guess that's the best way to put it. So, for example, if somebody needs to go to class, then maybe the class should be coming to where they are. You know, there should be somebody doing that for them. Can't you do an online it, online program? I mean, they have exactly. the matchbooks. I mean, I'll, like you can get your degree in a... What I, to me, it's just we are pandering too much to make sure that the rights of the accused are, are taken care of. But what I'm beginning to think is it's always going to be reactionary. Someone else is going to have to die, and we're going to have to learn a lesson from that. Oh, maybe we have to change the rules about what you can do when you're not criminally responsible. I don't know what to do or change or how it's going to work. Well, I had 30 years of frustration in policing where... High-risk people were released under what were considered to be, you know, appropriate circumstances and, and appropriate supervision, and all of those systems failed, and other people were were hurt and sometimes murdered as a result. So, I think, uh, you know, that's exactly what we're looking at here. We're looking at a, a case where this this guy could potentially do an awful lot of harm, and somebody has to answer a lot of questions here. Yeah, certainly they do. And so, where do you see this going? Do you get the sense that uh, you know it'll be met with a shrug? Do you get the sense that uh, we're going to get some answers? Because because clearly the cops have known for two weeks, the hospital, everyone's known for two weeks what's been going on. But I think a lot of questions have to be asked as to okay, are we going to change the system or or put any kind of system in place? Because I'm not sure there's much of an appetite to continue hearing these types of headlines because it just undermines. Um, the whole, you know, the hope that the justice system actually delivers justice. If it's not seen to be done, it's not being done. Yeah, it's embarrassing. And, you know, here's where the split is. Whenever it's deemed to be criminally non-responsible, it, it's it's not part of the, the justice system any longer. At least it's not deemed to be. And again, it's it's turned over to the mental health facilities who are supposed to do what they're supposed to do. Clearly something went wrong here and failed miserably. But you know, without beating on them too much, uh, people do escape. They escape from prison. They escape from mental health facilities. Facilities. They escape from the back of police officers' cruisers from time to time. So it's not a perfect system. But I think we can all accept that part. <clears throat> but what we can't accept is what we've just been talking about, that this could have happened a couple of weeks ago, and, and nobody knows. People living in that community didn't know. And uh, there wasn't that uh, sort of manhunt, if you will, that should have been front Front and center. Well, they clearly didn't even notify border gra- crossing guards. Eh? You know. Well, you know, clearly he got out before there was a notification. There's no question there whatsoever. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing uh, he wouldn't even have been flagged at the border unless and until somebody reported and said this guy's escaped. And by the way, he might have access to his uh, his passport, and then he would have been flagged. But probably too little, too late. Yeah, well, let's hope he took his meds with him because uh, if he needs medication and didn't get that, then he is a danger, uh, you know, walking around like a ticking time bomb. He's going to be a danger wherever he goes, that's for sure. Well, let's leave him where he is then, shall we? Um, An unpopular opinion, Dave, I know, but one that I think quietly a lot of people will agree with. I agree totally. And on that note, uh, thank you for joining me. Appreciate it. Anytime. Have a great night. You too. That is Dave Perry. Here on Point.
on Global News Radio.